the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Healthcare premiums through the roof. So much to think about when it comes to healthcare. Who do you talk to? Where do you go next? Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now with host Mark Chea, Larry Jones, and from Orlando Medical News, John Kelly. And now let's head into the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thanks for joining this afternoon. I'm Dr. Mark, and I'm joined by my co-host, Larry Jones. I've got John Kelly over there producing for us. Good morning, gentlemen, or good afternoon. Good morning, afternoon. Dr. Mark. Oh, see, we blew it. Oh, we blew it. We went through that far. You're, you're I started the, the good morning. Uh, you know, 1 o'clock, it still, yeah. it still could cut either way. Either right. At least we don't have to get up at 5 o'clock on Saturday morning. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I tell you, the month is flying by. We're a couple of weeks post-Memorial Day. Into June. Into June, yeah. and we're yeah. just about a couple of weeks and a few days from 4th of July. Right. And, and you know, Dr. Mark, I had a... A caller the other day asked me a question that uh, kind of took me back a little bit. Mm-hmm. They wanted to know what the difference in Memorial Day and Veterans Day is. And I it, thought, what a great yeah. question. Well, funny, you know, you brought that up. I was talking about uh, posting about that on Memorial Day because I saw a big banner that was thanking the veterans. Right. And that's not what Memorial Day is no, about. No, it's really not. Right. And so I but I thought about, you know, how would you put that out there and not sound like you were just griping? But, I mean, we can talk a little history, right? Sure, sure. So Memorial Day, actually, it started as Decoration Day. And that was back in the 1800s, 1868. There was a, mm-hmm. a general, uh, General John Logan, uh, started this idea of mm-hmm. uh, Decoration Day. And then it wasn't until 1971 that Congress passed uh, a uh, act that actually changed the date and changed it to Memorial Day. Right. Okay. Right. And so Memorial Day is to... To honor those who have paid the ultimate, it's a remembrance. Yes, it's a remembrance day. Yeah, so, remembrance day. And yep. so it's uh, it's it's not about just veterans. It's about a specific group of 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 war heroes that gave their lives and their families that have lost so much because of that. Right. So it's 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 actually quite a solemn day. Right. You know. And then and veterans, veterans Day. day. Yeah, yeah, Veterans Day mm-hmm. is a little bit newer. Uh, President Woodrow Wilson uh, started Veterans Day, kicked off in 1919. As Armistice Day. Armistice Day. So it was Mm -hmm. actually celebrating the armistice with Germany. Right. uh, After World War I. After World War I. Mm -hmm. So then again in the 70s, it must have been very big in the 70s, so about 71, that became Veterans Day. It was always November 11th, but now we we do it based on, you know, the the days of the week as opposed to just the 11th. And that is to celebrate all those who have served our country. And, you know, Dr. Mark, that includes you, who is a uh, veteran of the Army. Yes. Lieutenant Colonel, I believe it was. That, that, is, and, that is correct. Uh, you're included in that, and we honor you. Well, thank you. And I, and I tell you, that's one of the things that has happened in the last few years is uh, the recognition of, of our veterans. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, I should, that sounds a little wrong. Well, the whole VA recognized. program has yeah, changed. It has. Yeah, and, and, but right. even, even all at sporting events, it's, it's a big reach out, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And I think that's why I didn't post anything about Memorial Day. Have you ever Day been because, to a mission you know, barbecue? Yes. Oh, yes. Yep. Did at noon every day they sing the national anthem? Yep. 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 
No, it's good. It's, that's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a, it's a feel-good for our country, mm-hmm. and I hope uh, the listeners are, are not too bored by that little bit of history. And right. speaking of our country. I think that's great, Dr. We, Mark. We are, uh, we're 50% vaccinated now. Amazing. Yep, so 50%. Amazing. And that beats out, we were talking about, you know, like flu vaccines have never been to 50%. Right, uh, right. A little the, bit different the situation. The average but... over the last 10 years in the influenza mm-hmm. is vaccination rates nationally about 42 45%. Right. And then the other big news is the discussion from Moderna that says they've completed their testing and their uh, vaccine has now been tested and is safe in 12 to 17-year-olds. So 12 and up, let's right. say, 12 and up. Right. And so they have uh, put forth that uh, information to the FDA and are asking for approval there. So that's going to get more more options out there for, right. for 12 right. and up. So that's right. pretty exciting. And the other thing, Dr. Mark, I think... Uh, there was a report out the other day that sixty over 60% of unvaccinated adults either believed or weren't sure about at least one falsehood about the vaccine myths. Right, right. And the most common myths, if you can believe this, were over 35% of respondents either thought that it was true or wasn't sure <clears throat> that the biggest conception was that if you take the vaccine, you can get COVID nineteen. Right, right. And I, I thought mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> I've got healthcare professionals that haven't gotten the vaccine, and I'll say when I when I learn this, I was like, why, why not? And that's actually their answer is, well, I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. And I'm yeah. like, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. You, you might right. get you might get sick for a but day, but you're not going to get COVID. You might get unfeel good for a day. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's you know that's sort of something that we continue to. Uh, kind of battle with, uh, but the numbers are looking pretty good. They are. Uh, and we haven't uh, ha- had the, some of the same problems we're seeing worldwide, but it's going to be that, that same continuation. The other part that's interesting is is we've got more data on patients who have had COVID and have been donating their serum. The majority of those the patients... The antibodies. The antibodies. Yeah, right, right. So the majority of these patients are able to do that for a period of time, but there are some that have continued to donate and their antibodies are still elevated uh, and so their their serum is still useful and by the way they cannot get the vaccine and continue to donate so are we talking about that actually expands the time that the vaccine works that's a possibility versus needing a booster or, or it could mean that it's going to be that way for some and not for others right so we still the real point here is we have no idea what we don't know yet right. you know there's going to be so much information coming forward some of it's going to be encouraging. I, I think the the idea of the rapidity in which we need a booster, that news keeps getting better. Right. Because as you'll recall, in the beginning, right. they were thinking it would be a, a short-term right. deal. Six months. Six months and yep. just get yep. you through yep. where it looks like that's going to be better. But now I've they're got, talking maybe a year. Yep. Yeah, yep. I've got a friend that's over, I guess he's over a year, and he's continued to donate. And he's actually the one that told me. I didn't realize that if you received the vaccine, you could not donate serum. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, I that either. I didn't know that. I so didn't realize it either. Kind of interesting. Okay. Larry, you we were talking before the show that you got an interesting uh, interesting phone call and uh, I think it 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 bears a discussion. We've got it. We got 5 minutes here we can okay. talk about it. Okay, good. You know, this this show is all about the truth about US healthcare and I love it when we have a caller calls in and tells us a story about their experience yep. in the healthcare system. Yep. This That's is about information. this is about a listener that uh, had a an event seven years ago, mm-hmm. and all this is is about having scans and checkups every year to make sure everything's fine. So they're routine follow-up. Routine follow-up. And so this year they had 
set their appointment for mid-June mm-hmm. and evidently last week had called the office because they hadn't gotten a word from the radiology group yet that they were to get their CT before they went to their office visit. Right. That way, no reason to go to the office right. visit. Yeah. Same thing so, happens with lab, lab yeah, orders. Lab, yeah, lab, same sure. thing. So they held on for half an hour last Thursday. And then earlier this week, they called back and held for over an hour. And let me tell you the story that I was told. Okay. This uh, physician, and I don't want to indict anybody, uh, works for a health system here in, in the Orlando market. Okay. And the call actually went into a call center. Right. Not, and to, the, not to his not office. Not to the physician right. office. Sure, There's of no access to the physician offices anymore. Right. And so she held on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Finally, someone, after about a half an hour, came on the line. Mm-hmm. And she, told them, she told them what she needed, that she had an appointment and needed to set up her scans and uh, for the appointment to get the radiology done before she goes to her visit right. next week. And so they told her, well, yes, the order is in. I don't know why you haven't been called. Let me transfer you over and, and get this done. I know where this is so going. She, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she held on another 15 minutes, and someone else came on the line. Now she's been on the phone for over 45 minutes. And the, the gal came on the phone, and she said they were very nice, but she said they said that there was no order. And she says, but let me call the office and get an order. And right. I'll, if you'll hang on, I'll get you your order, and we'll schedule it. She right. said, great, she'll hold. She held on for another 15 minutes. Now we're at an hour, Dr. Mark. <laughs> okay. And the girl comes back on the line and says, ma'am, could I have your physician's office number? Yeah. She says, excuse me? Yeah, well, you know, we, we have a lot of different numbers we call. And so she gave them two different office numbers. Right. Now you, and questioned, are you with the health system that this physician is owned by? And she said, no, we're a call service, but yeah, we're with the system. Right. And right. so they called and again... The same number that she had called in the very beginning so is the number hold. they were calling. Yeah, sure, sure. So they're on hold for 15 or 20 minutes. They finally come back and said, well, we're sorry, but we're unable to get a hold of them. And we'll we'll call you back and we'll get to scheduled. Man, Larry, I mean, that's... Is that an incredible story? Yeah, and it and it is a... How, how do you say it? It's sort of a symptom of the disease that it we is. talk about. Um, and, and I'm not pointing out, you know, just a... Because we're in Orlando. I'm right. talking nationwide... Yep. Um, as health healthcare is a personal issue, right? That's why we do right, this show. Right. That's right. And it makes it almost impossible to keep it at a personal level when you get too big. Yeah. And when we, you know, the cliche is you're, when we're, you we're become just a, a number, number, right? You become so, a number in a health system. And yep. and I would point out a couple things. One, the people that pick up the phone are doing their jobs. That's and, right. And losing it with them. Makes and, I'm, no and I'm sense. guilty of it, but yeah. losing yeah. with them I makes, think makes no are. sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's frustrating, but the the reality is, as a group, patients need to band together, let their doctors know when they finally get in to see them, because the right. doctors typically don't know what's going on. It's Some not might, even the yeah, doctor's yeah. fault. It's it's truly yeah. the system, it's and the it's, system. it's the a personal part of the system. That is taken away, and and we've interviewed some great doctors on this show. We have, and we we obviously, you know, we we talk about independent practicing physicians, and these right. folks are spending time. They're doing all the things that you want your doctor to do, and it's not that the other doctors aren't great doctors or aren't great people. It's that their They're system employees. isn't going to allow them their employees to do that yeah. because they can't decide how much the system's going to make. And right. say that would be okay, That's whereas right. Right. in in independent practice, 
you say, this is how I want to do things. Right. This is how much I make at the end of the year. And, and I'm happy with and that. And I'm going to have access right. where my patients can get to me if yep. they need to. Right. And, and Moral it's, of the story. Absolutely. If you value the information shared on this show, like us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora Podcasts, or iHeart Podcasts. We'll be right back. Angela Sells Orlando, also known as your realtor on call, Central Florida's relocation and luxury real estate specialist. Looking for concierge services? Relocating to Central Florida? Buying? Selling? Buying and selling? Helping to maximize your return and fighting for the best deal. Preferred lenders available. Specializing in relocation for physicians, healthcare professionals, and high net worth individuals. Assisting with location placement, school tours, banking and financial connections, introductions to athletic and social memberships, testimonials and references available upon request. Reach me 24-7, text 407-616-3513 or email Angela at AngelaSellsOrlando.com and always remember to connect on LinkedIn. Be healthy, be safe, and reopen this great nation's economy. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes, software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes, improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS, net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605. 6859-609-605-6859. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar. You know, I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We are excited to have uh, Sandra Morales, the CEO of Cassie Home Health, on the show with us this morning to talk about and discuss how patient care is moving from the hospital to the home environment. And we see that in just about every area of healthcare, Absolutely. Dr. Mark. Absolutely. There's a big, big push. Yep. So, Sandra, could you tell us a little bit about your background and also about Cassie Home Health? Well, Larry, thank you for having me on the show. It's such an honor. Um, you know, I, I'd like to say that I'm your classical uh, immigrant story, but there's a few things that make my story a little bit different. Um, I came to the United States as a political refugee um, running or escaping, I should say, the communistic regime of Fidel Castro in 1995. And like many other um, uh, like many other immigrants chasing that American dream in the land of opportunity, which is the U.S. And um, we actually settled into Black Mountain, North Carolina, spent a few years there and then transitioned in 1999 to Orlando 
So now I'm, I consider myself Floridian because I've been here since the 90s. Um, to tell you a little bit about my mm-hmm. upbringing, I came from a lineage of entrepreneurs. My grandfather owned the equivalent of what would be considered here in the U.S., uh, like a Sears department store. So oh. I grew up with that um, in my in my blood. Sure. Okay. So that that's a, that was some impetus for you to start some something new to go after your dream and, and do it in a, in a business fashion, huh? Absolutely. You know, I used to always get in trouble. My mom would always say, Sandra, you can't have your friends come over and, and uh, to play with you and charge them to paint your, you know, their nails. <laughs> you know, give, give me a hard time. And I would, I would have them buy me toys, and instead of playing with them, I would sell them uh, at the bottom of our driveway in Black Mountain, North Carolina, mm. Um, and the way I saw it, it was 100% profit, right? Because sure. my parents would buy the toys. I would sell them in the driveway. Uh, so <laughs> that's definitely, um, Well, you definitely... are an entrepreneur, Sandra. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great, you know, this this could be the beginnings of a book here. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I'll tell you, it, it definitely um, served me well to just see the hard work and dedication and just love that my grandfather had for his department store. But fast forward to becoming a U.S. citizen in 2000 and starting college in 2004, I was in a business class. And uh, during that business class, we were tasked to do a business plan. So I said, well, a department store is kind of an ambitious business plan. Who else do I know that owns a business? And we have some family friends in South Florida um, that have owned a home health agency since the early 90s. You guys may have heard of the franchise. It's called Granny Nannies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we have, so totally. I said, well, I'm going to go down to South Florida for a week. I'm going to shadow their operations. I'm going to do a business plan on home health and take that back to my professor. And then I was in the works, and I discovered that they, you know, the two sides of home health, the private duty and the skilled home health, and um, did my plan and came back. And I said, you know what? The margins line up. Why don't I just start my, my own home health agency? Wow. And this was this was back in 2004, 2005. And the process to start an agency back then uh, was rigorous, especially for myself, who was a 20, I think I was 24 at that time or 23, who knows. Um, so I went to my parents and I said, listen, I want you guys to refinance your house so that I can start a home health agency. A lot of bureaucratic red tape in doing that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't mean to laugh, but, um, you know. Well, it's not like you were selling toys at the end of the driveway now. Now (laughs) now you're into the big, the big deal. Yes, I was still using their money, though. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So um, I don't know to this day what possessed them. Actually, I did ask. They told me, look, we decided to refinance our house uh, and uh, lend you the money because we knew that, that you would find it and you would do it anyways, and we rather... It's actually a sweet story. They told me recently, we rather it be our money and you be in safe hands than you get tied up with an investor or somebody that didn't have your best interest Absolutely. at heart. Yep. And I'm happy to report that in 2006, Jump started Cassie with uh, some seed money from my parents and just a lot of hard work and, uh, and, and actually not such a great business plan at that time because I didn't know a single physician in Orlando. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Fast forward, here we are 15 years later as, as one of the, um, you know, top Central Florida home health care yep. providers um, recognized for quality and pushing uh, a lot of innovation in the home, improving outcomes, lowering costs to our stakeholders. And 
enhancing patient care. Fantastic, fantastic. No, that's that's an ama- that's an amazing story. No, thank you for sharing that. That is an incredible story. And Dr. Mark, you know, we've known Sandra and Cassie for a while mm-hmm. yep. under our IPN umbrella, right? And they've been a great partner for us all yep. these years. And I mean, we were we were uh, actually in the uh, first segment talking about frustrations with big systems. Yep. And yep. IPN's plan there is, you know, trying to kind of espouse how these independents and and companies like yours are typically easier to deal with simplify access yeah, to care yeah. yeah but i'll tell you you know the Sandra, the, the times continue to change and the direction towards home health care it's never been talked about more than it has been in the last six months you know and so a lot of the big even the hospital systems are are pushing much harder you know tell i mean tell me how has that affected your business is that the the secondary secret to success of you know beyond just the hard work it's the uh, the timing seems exactly right. Yeah, and you know we actually during COVID um, actually increased our census by forty eight, almost almost fifty percent because the demand wow. was so high for that transition home straight from the hospital. Um, you know there there's a lot of quorum quorum out there and, and discussion. Is there too many home health agencies? Is the market too saturated? But I was, you know, just recently reading a, a MedPAC article, um, and they quoted some impressive growth in numbers of uh, Medicare beneficiaries that are going to be aging in. Currently, our population is about 54 million right. beneficiaries, and over right. between now and 2030, we're looking at about 80 million. I know, Larry, you're you're yep. the numbers guy, but. Yep. Um, We're adding about 2 million a year for the next 10 years to the Medicare program. That's right. Right. Yeah. I think there's, uh, you know, to your point, there's more of a demand now than than ever. And we're now in the spotlight um, as a alternative for skilled nursing and for the hospital setting. You know, for our listeners, if if you could take one step back and kind of describe exactly what is done in the home, what services you provide. I mean, we talk about home health care, but we're being a little unfair because we, we know what it is. But if you can sort of give us some of those details, that'd be great. Absolutely. And I'm glad we're taking that step back. Um, anything that you can think of clinically from sending a nurse out to sen- sending a bath aid, we've evolved. So now we're able to do um, telephonic nursing in the home, virtual home visits in the home. Uh, we can send mobile labs, mobile x-rays mobile um, urine specimens to the home. We have a wonderful fall prevention and rehab program. So back in the day when I first got started in 2006, if you had to go in for any type of orthopedic surgery, you'd, you'd be automatically discharged to a rehab facility where now you can get that rehabilitation effectively in the comfort of your own home. We can even send an in-home visiting uh, physician uh, we're bringing back that old, uh, old-time home visiting doctor model um, with the launch of, you know, Amazon dropping groceries off into the home, and obviously more than groceries, they they do everything. Um, consumers we're finding are demanding their healthcare in the home as well. Well, you bring up Amazon, and you know, not not ironically, I mean, what they're doing out on the West Coast and want to go. Mm-hmm nationwide is either amazing or frightening. I mean, Walmart also, yeah, Walmart also. So we've got these big companies that are taking notice of 
home health care and its importance as a market. And it's it's uh, my concern is that it'll be a little bit like the story we talked about in the last segment where we have these huge players. They they know how to make the right corners cut and you know where the money gets lost. But I don't know that they are ever going to know how to deliver uh, like like someone like you with your background right. and your ideals of exactly what what makes you successful. Yeah, and I think you're onto something there. And, and some would argue, especially in the healthcare space, that healthcare is better local. Um, and I believe that. Um, so we were in a good position to compete with some of those larger players. And one of the great things about the way that value base is evolving is that our, our outcomes are now publicly reported. Mm-hmm. So the consumer is able to look up, you know, publicly reported data. They're able to look up the quality of care behind the providers that they're choosing to come into their home space. Right, right. right. So that's, that's we, really going to drive business to yeah. people who deserve And, you know, business. Sandra, when you talk about value-based, you know, we, we at uh, IPN and our organization has a lot of, I think we have seven value-based contracts. And when you look at the rationale for healthcare at home, it's all about patient engagement. Right. And what That's better right. place can you get patient engagement than in a patient's home? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but at the end of the day, the, the people that are paying the bills aren't really paying that much attention to the bills that they're paying. They're paying more attention to quality, sure. and that's right. really going to be the win. Yeah, and I, I like the transparency now that you can actually measure and see that quality where I would say, Larry, maybe like two years ago, we, we mm-hmm. didn't even have that. That's true. And I know, you know, when value-based first came out, a lot of uh, providers were frowning upon it. But for, for us being a local provider, I loved it because that that just meant that our hard work is going to show right. and we're going to have more patients choose Kathy. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're quality, yeah. you're going to have that happen. So yeah, Sandra, we're going we're gonna to take a break, but when we come back, I want you to talk a little bit about what you and your Cassie Home Health team are seeing when you're in a patient home. We'll be right back. John? I want to remind our audience, if you have questions for Sandra, Dr. Mark, or Larry, reach out to us at 407-701-7424 or email us, healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back. It's not really a long surgery. Recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Angela Sells Orlando, also known as your realtor on call. Central Florida's relocation and luxury real estate specialist. Looking for concierge services? Relocating to Central Florida? Buying? Selling? Buying and selling? Helping to maximize your return and fighting for the best deal. Preferred lenders available. Specializing in relocation for physicians, healthcare professionals, and high net worth individuals. Assisting with location placement, school tours, banking and financial connections, 
introductions to athletic and social memberships, testimonials and references available upon request. Reach me 24-7, text 407-616-3513 or email Angela at AngelaSellsOrlando.com. And always remember to connect on LinkedIn. Be healthy, be safe, and reopen this great nation's economy. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Life can be challenging even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. We're having a, a great discussion with Sandra Morales, the CEO of Cassie Home Health. We're talking about everything home health these days. And Sandra, we had talked before uh, the break that tell us a little bit about what you see when your team is in a patient home, because, you know, today when we talk about value-based care, it's all about social determinants of health and all the ways that you can help these patients in the home. Absolutely, Larry. And that is a very good question. Uh, And there's a lot of things that we see in the home. Um, We're seeing things that, you know, honestly, patients may omit at their routine doctor's visits and high-risk situations that a patient may take for granted. Um, But us as trained healthcare practitioners truly know how some situations that we see in the home um, are are big impediments in their healthcare. Um, For example, some time ago, there was a patient that kept going back to the hospital for COPD exacerbation. And we just couldn't figure it out. Every week in our meetings, we're talking about this patient. And finally, one of our physical therapists goes to check the patient's air filter in the home. And it turns out, Larry, that that mm-hmm. air filter had not been changed in probably a good year. Wow. And all of that dust and all of that air, uh, poor air quality was what was causing that return to hospital. And that patient mm-hmm. story has really stuck with me because that's a perfect example of the value that we bring yeah. to patients that we serve and also the value that we bring to the healthcare system. The hospital is not in the home. The physicians are not um, often in the home seeing what we're seeing and, and fighting some of the battles and, and creating resources for patients. You mentioned um, a term that's a little bit newer to the, to healthcare, which is, those social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. 
And I think this was first introduced by, this term was introduced by the World Health Organization. And, you know, I think a lot of us at first didn't really know what to do with that term. Right. What were your thoughts when you first heard it? Well, I tell you, what, I, I talked uh, to a number of different groups, in, including my my daughter who just graduated from med school, and it was a super hot topic while she was in college and was interested in these things. So, you know, six six to eight years ago. And it really, really got you thinking that it's really talking about things that are very obvious to all of us in healthcare. We just mm-hmm. yeah. had, but the unintended consequence is much, much larger than we ever imagined. Things like food insecurity, isolation, mm-hmm. depression, right. transportation needs. Right. Uh, just access, access, security. access. Right? Security, too. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and I think one of the, one of the, challenges, at least from our viewpoint as a post-acute provider, is that we can only make a limited impact. And and some of the things I will say um, that we do at CASI to risk stratify against social determinants um, is a baseline assessment. We do a baseline assessment screening on every patient that we see um, in the home. And we look at food, we look at meds, we look at cost of living, we look at um, mental health, and we make community referrals to mitigate those determinants as much as we can. Um, an example, you know, was of a patient, again, revolving, you know, uh, emergency department uh, room user, and it was all really because she didn't have enough social interaction in her home. Mm-hmm. So that ED was almost like that, that therapy right. session, Right. So uh, we connected her with an in-home mental health counselor. We have a fantastic team of 43 mental health counselors that go into the home environment. There's also a lot of virtual platforms for patients to get mental health virtually. You asked me, you know, what I'm seeing in the home. One of the other things, not to get off of the social determinants topics that we're seeing in the home, is a higher level of acceptance uh, for technology. So we're seeing a lot of our patients on tablets on iPhones, on, um, on smart watches. And these are all avenues where they can get um, mental health um, applications and see uh, a, a practitioner. And so we had a really great success story with this patient once we really explored in that baseline assessment uh, for social determinants that the isolation and the depression was what was trigger- triggering the ED utilization, and, and it was a big win for us and for the patient. You know, it makes me think about, as, as the listeners are sort of hear these stories, obviously these services that you're offering and providing are paid for by Medicare or, or commercial insurance, right. but the amount of dollars it is saving them and saving the system by avoiding the ER costs are huge. And so it's it's a it's a again value based medicine in its delivery as a win win. But I can't help but being a little bit of a skeptic in saying that this is a little it's a little bit like when the surgery center started, and and everybody got on board with oh man yeah I'm, I'm going to invest in a surgery center. But finally, Medicare and the insurance companies figured out that they didn't have to pay as much. They could just say. Yeah, we realize you're saving us lots and lots of money, but we're going to pay you less. Is there talk in in your field about how to 
manage that thought, or is it, or did I just bring up a terrible subject how that to now I'm going to be, I'm going to be blamed for the it, whole Dr. country Mark, here? Yeah, how to well, or, or yeah. how to how to prepare? Yeah, that's an interesting comment. Well, that 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 is at times a tough subject for for us to broach um, because you know I I honestly feel um, that from a from a reimbursement stance. A home health definitely has room for growth with some some payers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to explore value based contracts. A lot of our contracts are still on a fee for service base, and it doesn't really allow us to evolve into that you know that new model of home health. You know that infuses the traditional style of care delivery with the virtual and the technology to have that that continuous monitoring and, and transparency in the care delivery. So I do I do see that um, COVID has, has almost like hit the gas pedal uh, on some thoughts that maybe we're on cruise control uh, with some of these pairs and the way that, you know, we receive reimbursement. Well, to that end, I mean, we're, and this is sort of a, a wide open question and an opportunity for you to espouse any of your thoughts here. I mean, where do you think, home care is going to be in five years where what are the what are the like the top few changes that you see coming so this is this is the year we're in year 2020 the the year of, of uh clear, clear uh, vision right yeah um so wake I'm, up I'm, wake up year yeah <laughs> so i i'm gonna go out and just and, and have three i guess premonitions um, I believe we'll see new care delivery models come out. Mm-hmm. Um, we at Cassie, you know, have our thoughts and are trying to, you know, piece together what, you know, virtual care and what a integrated virtual care ecosystem looks like. Um, so I think that that's going to be coming up in the horizon over the next few years. Two, I think demand will continue towards finding excellent clinical staff. Um, I, I, I feel this has always been top of mind for our uh, industry, but it will continue to open up avenues. I see maybe paramedics stepping into the home environment a little bit more. We more actually than have some of in that in Orlando now, Sandra. The yes, paramedics. Yes, yeah. Ken Peach's organization, right. Care Medics. Yep. Yes, yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that should be what I'm saying is that that needs to be like the new standard of care for home care, not not like an isolated right. project with, you know, a health plan yep. that needs to be just like we get reimbursed to send a nurse out. We should get reimbursed and, and have the paramedics be part of our home care care plan. I mean, interrupt you, Sandra, you know, we're, we're getting a little short on time, but I had a couple more questions. I want it's interesting that you mentioned mental health because it's the studies show that today 70 percent of all telehealth visits deal with mental health issues in the home environment and you know the the other thing that i think uh the question that dr mark asked about where do you see home care in five years we really haven't talked too much about technology but this remote patient monitoring is going to be a big deal and i believe that that's going to be one of the catalysts to continue to drive home health dr mark yeah, I would agree, and I think a lot of it is going to have to. Do, I think, I think Sandra alluded to this. It's going to have to do with reimbursement and support by the payers that they recognize how important this is. Yep. 
Sandra, this is John. Is there a lobby or an association that represents the home health industry? Because it, it sounds like that that's the next step or challenge. Yes, yes, there is. And, you know, I am active with them and they're active, you know, over in Tallahassee. And we've, we've, we've come uh, a long way since 2006 when I stepped into the industry. And, you know, referencing, you know, the pandemic, that really has, you know, put the, the gas on the pedal to really have these policymakers continue to evolve um, and usher some of this technology into the home and also be able to reimburse. All of our technology initiative is self-funded at the present time. But we also feel strongly about technology and the critical role it's going to play in the future for home health and using data to support every care decision and appropriately increase the, the days of care provided in, um, in the home is important. Because if we don't have that data and that ongoing transparency, then how can we back up and support appropriate utilization to keep these patients out of the hospital? Yes, Sandra, it has been extremely informative today having you on the show. Uh, maybe we can have you again. And thank you so much for spending time with us. And home care is a vital part of patient care delivery today. Us providers that are deeply into the value-based movement, it's all about avoiding admissions, avoiding readmissions, and keeping people out of the ER when they don't need to be there, Dr. Mark. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sandra. Yeah. Sandra, if our audience needs to get a hold of you, they uh, have questions or would like to leverage your services, how can they reach you? I can be reached on my direct number. It's 407-620-4049. That's 407-620-4049. And I will personally uh, answer any calls that your uh, callers may have. Well, thank you, Sandra. And it's time for our question of the week, submitted by April Peterson with IPN. How likely are you to consider home health services if you can reduce your time in a hospital or related expenses? Please share your thoughts with us at 407-701-7424 or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back. It's not really a long surgery. The recovery time was practically nothing. Pretty much a piece of cake. I look at my scar as my battle scar, you know. I won the battle. Went from death's door to I'm me again. I am enjoying life. I can count on tomorrow. Barostim is an option for heart failure patients with reduced ejection fraction. To learn more about the therapy and important safety information, please visit www.cvrx.com. Angela Sells Orlando, also known as your realtor on call. Central Florida's relocation and luxury real estate specialist. Looking for concierge services? Relocating to Central Florida? Buying, selling, buying and selling? Helping to maximize your return and fighting for the best deal. Preferred lenders available. Specializing in relocation for physicians, healthcare professionals, and high net worth individuals. Assisting with location placement, school tours, banking and financial connections, introductions to athletic and social memberships, testimonials and references available upon request. Reach me 24-7, text 407-616-3513 or email Angela at AngelaSellsOrlando.com. 
and always remember to connect on LinkedIn. Be healthy, be safe, and reopen this great nation's economy. Are your annual wellness visits 60% completed? Medicare requires 60%. ThoughtSwift provides a turnkey solution, reducing AWVs 5 to 20 minutes. Software-generated care plans, providing patient conversations and billing codes. Improving macro, MIPS, and HEDIS. Net $125 plus per AWV. Interested? John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. Life can be challenging, even before COVID. Everyone experiences worry, anxiety, or even depression occasionally. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by stress, isolated due to COVID, are a caregiver to aging parents, or are dealing with any major life transition, Counseling Resource Services can help. We provide in-home and telehealth counseling covered by Medicare. Contact us at 407-654-4433 or visit us on the web at counselingresourceservices.com. Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. That was a great, great discussion with Sandra Morales from Cassie Home. I wish we'd had more yeah. time with her. Yeah, we'll yeah. Ha- again, you yeah. would say this, boy, we're, we're, we're getting really fortunate. I guess there are a lot of great people to choose from to get them on the air. Yes. And I don't think we've had anybody on that we haven't said, you know, great job. Great job. Yeah, let's, exactly. let's get them back. Exactly. Well, let's get a little caught up and talk about this week in health policy news. Okay. Um, there's a few items that we should probably jump on. Uh, I think uh, we had said a sh- show before last that uh, Chiquita Brooks Lashur, uh had not been uh, approved as of yet, but she is now sworn in as the administrator for the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Okay. So, and I did uh, something I wanted to bring up because when we talk about all these appointments and what what happens when when they are recommended and before they're appointed, right. but as they're recommended, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. they go they go right to work, right, uh, and they are in an acting, acting role, an acting yeah. role yeah. until yeah. they're approved, and right. I, and I'm sure that sits over their head, but uh, but no, it's good. So she's got she's got a lot of a lot of work ahead of her. She does. What what, what else do we got? Uh, you know, Biden uh, is supposed to release his full budget on yeah, Friday, Friday. Uh, which is going to characterize his health care policy agenda, and. Uh, a couple of the prominent congressional leaders have actually put out a request for input on what a federal public option should look like. Right. Dr. Mark, that could be very concerning. It is. I mean, it sort of pushes us back to early Obama discussions on exactly. on single, you know, payer, single system. payer system. Yep. Yep. And I can only imagine that we may mention this later. I can only imagine that the millions upon millions of dollars that the commercial insurers are putting towards lobby work is directed towards that. Right. Do you think? Right. I mean. I think, you know, my, my concern is at some point one of the big payers is going to be the pick yep. and becomes the single federal right. manager because I, I can't see well, you know, the, the same system the that runs America's the VA system. The America's Health Insurance Plan, the AHIP, right. is as big a lobby as the AHA, the American as Pharmaceutical, anything, yep. as anybody, and I don't see them letting this slide by very easily, no. not without a fuss. No, but I think yeah. that, that that's the uh, the... The hole in the hole in the plan is if one of them figures out a way to be the standout 
and right. starts working because right. as a you know I, I don't right. see the White House thinking that they have a group of people that can make this happen on their own. Exactly. You know, you know, you've got 28 to 30 million of the 55 or 60 million that are in Medicare today are actually in a Medicare Advantage plan, which right. is a private insurance company. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you see that and half of Medicare in the country no. is in a private plan to, no. to go to it a single payer system? Take. It's not going to happen. No, no or, yeah. or a single payer system that's yeah. purely government based. Exactly. And then exactly. on the flip side of that, sort mm-hmm. of the opposite thing that we're seeing in industry is groups like Google and right. HCA are teaming up to develop algorithms intended to monitor patients and aid in right. clinical decisions. Right. A little bit of tie-in to our conversation right. with Sandra, but uh, as importantly, just looking at these these companies that are household words. Yeah, like Amazon, Google, yeah. Walmart. Yeah. Yep. So they're all you know, they're, they're all, all they're, they're all looking at, on how they're going to you know get into that fold, and that partnerships an interesting. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have picked it out from uh, before it happened. I wouldn't either. You know, because yeah. HCA kind of does their own thing. Both of those are publicly traded companies. Sure. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where that where that goes. Well, you had mentioned uh, to Sandra earlier that a lot of big corporations are getting into home care sure. and uh, yeah. uh, telehealth, yep. artificial intelligence, all these things. And I, I saw that there was an analysis by the Kaiser Family Foundation, which is a very respected sure. In a research group now that more than a quarter of Medicare b- beneficiaries had a telehealth visit in 2020. Yeah. What does that say, Dr. Mark? No, I mean, we'll compare that to, yeah. to what it was. I mean, this, this virtually nothing. Virtually nothing. That's yeah. right. That's and right. and part of that has to do with reimbursement. Now reimbursement is yep. available. Part of that has to do with people that were or trapped at home and right. for right. fear or for reality. And so all these, these are things you just can't predict. Right. And and it sh- it's an unintended consequence again. I think it's the second time I've used that term today no, uh, true. of, of the pandemic yeah. where, you know, it could be a really positive thing. I think that the the payers are going to recognize how this fits in their value-based proposals yeah. and, and, and really keeps costs down. Right. And I think maybe some good news for our listeners, uh, a new report by eHealth indicated that in the private insurance market that over half the insurers indicated that they would not have a right. premium increase right. due to the pandemic this year. Yep. And and if the listeners are anything like me, they're certain that they're in the other half. But uh, but that's yeah. at least a that's Well, I think a good we're going to have to keep an eye on that, but yeah. but I do think that's a good indication of where we are in healthcare today. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll finish up uh, mm-hmm. what do we got? 9 out of 10 insurers are likely to adjust their telehealth and mental health benefits. Uh, because more than more than this insurance, we're seeing the utilization right. jumping up by leaps and bounds. And that goes right back to our conversation with Sandra. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the technology is going to determine uh, how far home care goes in the future, as you asked, over the next yep. five years. Now, I think we're yep. going to see uh, a lot of changes. I think there are a lot of people that are jumping into the pool all at once. Right. And, and even Amazon and uh, Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan, they sort of learned... Yep. That the pool wasn't quite as deep as they They're thought it was. They're still trying to figure that yeah, out for their so, own employees, right? So, of over a million lives. Yep, yep. yep so, so right. I think we're going to see a lot of people in, and and then a percentage of people out. Yeah. But I guess isn't that the way you know capitalism and the business world really works? Yeah. We just have never experienced this in healthcare. Exactly. You know, and you know there are some some other downfalls too. I mean, that's a positive thing about premium increases, right? But also there was a little bit of an alarming stat. Between March 2020 and March 2021, 
eight and a half million Americans enrolled in the Medicaid program. And that's a 17.7% increase from February of 2020. The largest increases were seen in the states of Utah and Nebraska. So yeah. what does that say about our program here in the U.S., I mean, Dr. I Mark? I mean, I'd, I'd like to understand what it says about those particular states, where they were, what they yeah. were involved with. Um, you know, not not the uh, most densely populated states, so sometimes that makes right. the stats kind of skewed. Right. But, yeah, I mean, that's definitely not what was expected. There's definitely changes. Well, in, unemployment in that, probably had a big yeah. part to do with that, yep. especially for kids. If mom and dad are unemployed, then... Uh, whether they uh, yeah. qualify for Medicaid sure. or not, the children do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yep, yep. So that does that does get them on, but yeah. it, is that sustainable? I don't think so. You yeah. know, in in the in the state of Florida right now, with a hundred and two billion dollar budget, forty mm-hmm. percent of our state budget is spent on Medicaid, Medicaid. In, just in the state of Florida. Right. right. And and Medicaid is supported state and federal. That's money. right. So, That's right. So it's That's definitely right. there's a, yep. a few. And that's probably pretty typical around most states around no, the is. country. Yeah, definitely. 30 to 40% of their budget goes yep. to Medicaid. Goes to Medicaid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, Well, I mean, I think that's why it's always such an important topic, you know, moving forward. And it hasn't been, I mean, without looking at value-based in that pro- those sets of programs, I don't know where they're going to make up the loss. Right. You know, I think that that's going to continue. And, and as states see more and more people qualifying um, and, you know, participate in, in the Right. The Health Care Act and getting those folks in. Right. I don't know where the money's going to come from. Well, but you know, in reality, I think Medicaid is a great stopgap for people that really need it. Sure. But there was a congressional study done recently that estimated over the last 10 years, on average, there's been over $22 billion in Medicaid fraudulent, fraudulent payments, payments made. Yep, yep, yeah. So exactly what. So that what goes that's back it. to sustainability right. you talked right. about, Dr. Mark. Well, it also goes back to the idea of, do you think the government can run a health insurance exactly. company? Because, I mean, if we're getting that level of fraud, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's really hard. I mean, we need to balance those numbers and see state by state. I mean, it's, it's just, it's mind-boggling. $22 billion a year. So how, how do we, I mean, what's the answer there? I mean, I, there, I mean, it's, that's the, and where does, is that mostly... You would think just because of the percentages, it's mostly institutional, mostly right. hospital-based, and it's probably a lot of mistakes. And we see those big uh, settlements from hospitals yeah, here and absolutely. there, and yeah. I mean, we've sent, certainly had our share of them here in Florida, yep. and I think, uh, you know, waiting for that to happen, <clears throat> if you give me that first, that number, say it, $22 billion, Can you imagine? Okay. Yeah. And, and think of the number of settlements a for $100 million, not settlements, but saying that there was $100 million here, $200 million there. Twenty, oh, come on! That's a you know, lot of money. That's, that's a lot of stuff that we're not hearing about. Yeah, it's I mean that they haven't they haven't found it. I guess I don't know if that's the yeah. the, uh, the the feds are going to have to pay more right. attention to that. I don't I don't know. But well, you it, know, Doctor yeah, Mark, work. we're kind of getting close. But I want to hit on one other thing. You know, yeah. there were some things uh, that uh, was discussed via KPMG uh, research paper. Right. Six pandemic driven ter- uh, trends in issues facing health plans. And among those top trends for 2021 were unemployment, right, aging baby boomers, causing increases in Medicaid, Medicare, Medicare Advantage, greater scrutiny of government insurance products, and a greater demand for health equity and wellness services. I think those are things we've talked about on this show 
from the very beginning. Yep. But uh, what are your thoughts on some of those issues? Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. As you said, we've, we kind of picked this up time and time again, you know, with, with what the pandemic has brought us. I think unemployment is always on the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that as the monies stop flowing in through the unemployment services, people are going to go back to work. Um, I think, you know, that's, that's going to be a, a piece, but it still is that a balance. Are they going to shift? There's, there's not a lot of plans that employers are going to be able to jump into. Right. Many employers have been super, really struggling to keep things moving. So I don't know where that, that's going right. to take us. Right. Aging baby boomers is something that was predicted. Yep. Not pre- I mean, they've been well, tracking two, it for years. Two million yeah. a year right. for the next 10 years. Right. So, yeah. so that's where yep. the thought of can, can Medicare actually sustain that right. through 2026? Exactly. I mean, you know, so yep. that's, that's yep. not a new question. And, and the last one, Dr. Mark, I think is where is value-based care going? Right. Uh, you know, it's just interesting. Just this past week, CMS and CMMI, the innovation, right. just announced that they are doing away with the next-gen ACO model, which has been one of the most popular ACO models in the country over the last five years, it's ending in 2021. Is and it going to be replaced by anything? Uh, they haven't said, but they're reviewing it and said that it will end as of 2021. Hmm. Again, if you recall, when we talked about Liz Fowler being appointed to CMMI, right. Right. we talked about the uh, the programs that she was going to review and that she had put the geographic DCE direct contracting entity model on hold for 2021. Yeah, so that 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 could be some so tragedy. All this is yeah. up in the <laughs> air. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Well, Larry, our Saturday afternoon with Central Florida's most intelligent audience is winding down, and we need to recognize our sponsors and advertising partners. This week's sponsor is Angela with Angela Sells Orlando. www.angelasellsorlando.com. A big thanks to my two co-hosts, Dr. Mark with Pediatric Surgery PA, and Larry with the Integrated Independent Physicians Network, and our advertising partners, Diana Sicato with Sicato Films, John Fogarty with Rx to Live, ThoughtSwift, April and Mary Catherine with Counseling Resource Services, and myself, John Kelly, and the Orlando Medical News. We're trying to grow this show. Please like us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Larry, a final thought? Take time to become an informed healthcare consumers. It's one of the best ways to protect your family. See you next week, Dr. Mark. See you guys. Take care. You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a podcast of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com.